Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the promotions or audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com/writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing! Whether you are traditionally published or indie, writing a good book is only the first step in becoming a successful author. The days of just turning a manuscript into your editor and walking away are gone. If you want to succeed in today's publishing world, you need to understand every aspect of the business: editing, formatting, marketing, contracts. It all starts with a good book. Then the real work begins. Join international best-selling author JD Barker and indie powerhouse Jay Thorne as they gain unique insight and valuable advice from the most prolific and accomplished authors in the business. The publishing world is changing, adapting. Do you have what it takes to become a full-time writer? If you're willing to do the work, we'll give you the tools. Get your notepad out. School's in session. This is Writers Inc. All right, man. We're flying without JD today. He is uh, lounging on a beach somewhere. <laughs> I'm so excited. Welcome to episode 151 of the Career Author Podcast. <laughs> Ultimate takeover. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought I would start this week with a, a little bit of alumni news. We got some exciting stuff. Um, a couple things. First, uh, yesterday, Amazon bought MGM. Did you hear yeah, about I that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty nuts. So uh, I think it's I think it's back catalog stuff, but I would not be surprised that uh, if Amazon starts pushing out some new Prime Video projects uh, via MGM. Yeah, I mean, I know I, I don't know all the properties that are related to MGM, but I know it's like Bond is one of them. I know uh, that's one of the really big ones. So I would imagine that uh, you know they're they're probably going to do something. You would think they would do something with that. Yeah, have you seen any of the Jeff Bezos? Uh, memes mgm memes no no yeah, they're pretty good they won't translate over a podcast but just go look at them you'll you'll laugh all right maybe i'll log into my facebook account for the first time in two years <laughs> oh a couple of other things want to give a great big congratulations out to hugh howie uh wool is moving forward i mean this isn't this isn't necessarily breaking news in that uh wool has been in production with amc but uh, AMC, Apple is now part of that equation, and they are they are in production. So this is not an option or a possibility. This this is happening. So we are going to see Wool as an AMC show in the near future. That's I did not see that. That is that's awesome that it's actually it's going to happen. Um, now, how is Apple involved? Uh, not quite sure. So it's not, it's going to be on AMC though. It's not going to be on Apple because Apple has their own streaming service. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I just had a very, very short tweet DM with you and just congratulate him, but I didn't ask any details. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how Apple's involved, but um, like I said, the good news is because we know like, you know, Ridley Scott optioned wool a long time ago yeah. and it's gone through different production 
companies. So um, this is this is really good news for all of us who who love that story. Yeah, and I mean, I think it'll be you know, it, it, I, I I like the idea of it being a television show, and obviously, you know, AMC can't milk the walking dead forever like they need some other you know i i really like you know i I'm glad to see them taking up another post-apocalyptic world you know um obviously you and i are big fans of that genre so i mean there'll be some between that and then uh the last of us television show coming to hbo which i think is going to be amazing um it, it's going to be uh it's there's you know very very good outlook for that genre on tv it looks like definitely so, so, so congrats to Hugh Howie on that. Also, big congrats to our uh, other buddy, Josh Mallerman. Uh, Josh Mallerman won a Stoker Award this week. Awesome. Yeah, he, he won right it on. for a super superior achievement in short fiction. Uh, this was his, I think the story was One Last Transformation. It was in the Miscreations, Gods, Monstrosities, and Other Horrors Anthology. And uh, I uh, immediately hit him up on uh, as soon as I saw that. And he said, thanks, man. I'm a happy disaster today. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about like Josh. That sounds like Josh. Yeah. So really, really thrilled to see <laughs> him uh, Yeah, take home a stoker uh, with, with a short story. So um, all, all really good news to kind of start off our monthly Q&A episode. Uh, nothing negative. I like it. Nothing negative. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're here for our monthly Q&A episode. Uh we will be uh, bringing in some folks here live in just a minute. We have some pre-submitted questions. So if there isn't any other business to take care of, Zach, you ready to, to bring people in and answer some questions? Let's do it. All right. So if you're listening on the podcast feed, uh, you probably won't hear everyone coming into the room, but we're bringing them in right now live. Got several folks here. Hello, hello, people. Awesome. We're joined by Jeff and Christine and Kim and Sully. So uh, th this is this is cool. Uh, I think uh, Zach is going to kind of take over here and guide us through the Q and A. And uh, thanks, thanks guys for showing up. Yeah, yeah. We've got a uh, like you know, We're still getting used to this format. So having people live and also having some uh, some pre uh, pre sit in questions, which two of them are yours, Jeff. So. <laughs> Uh, maybe I should just go to you first to see if you remember the questions you asked. So, I do remember the questions I asked. Well, that'll make it easy then. Let's start with let's start with you then. Okay, so uh, the first question I wanted to know is we're constantly kind of running into bumming into authors that I would say are farther ahead of us in our in their careers than we are. So, and I know I get weird when I talk to them. Um, so I was just curious if you have any tips for like how to approach an author that is further ahead in their career than you are. For, for what reason, Jeff? I don't know. Worship. No, I'm, <laughs> I would say, um, or... <laughs> I would say part of it is networking, right? Like part of it is connecting and like hoping potentially to work with them on something. Um, yeah, and then part of it is just kind of like building that relationship with somebody further ahead of you, I think is also something we, we all kind of want to do and try, yeah. Yeah, all right, good question. I, and the, the reason I, I asked you to clarify a little bit is I think it it can depend on what what you're trying to accomplish. For me, anyways, I think it depends what you're trying to accomplish what should determine like what your approach is. Um, although, I don't know, Zach, you, you kind of, 
you kind of start everyone in the same place, right? Can you talk about your the email that you typically send to authors? Yeah, like I, um, for me, like when I reach out to an author, I mean, and, and this is most of the time, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like I'm kind of in, uh, in a little bit different place now where I can see people in the genre and like, I'm, I have so many books out there that they probably have seen me as well. Like if I'm seeing them on Amazon, they've probably seen me, but as a general rule, especially early on, um, you know, I, I would, I would approach everything with as, as a fan, like just as kind of like, Hey, I would read, if I read an author's work and I really enjoyed it, um, I would just reach out to them and, and say, Hey, I really liked what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and a lot of times I would not even tell them I was an author. Like usually the only way I would tell them is I would, usually it would be in my email signature. Um, but, uh, but other than that, like I wouldn't, cause, cause like, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to seem like you're coming forward with an ask, you know? Um, and, and you, and, and also it's always better for those things to happen organically anyway, as that relationship grows, like Jay's a, Jay, Jay is a great example. Like, um, we met pretty much just the exact way I said, like I was, um, I, I was a fan of the horror writers podcast and I read his books and I reached out to him and told him, and I started asking questions on that podcast and stuff. Um, now I did mess up and come to him with a little bit of an ask early on. <laughs> and at, you know, I've told the story on podcasts many times, but about how, and I, I did something to don't do, which is um, don't take your first book you've written and say, Hey, will you read this and give me feedback? That's a really bad idea. But, uh, but somehow Jay stuck with me anyway. But Jay and I grew that relationship and it was what it was like, it was, it was a year, year and a half before we even really started talking about doing anything together. Right. And, and now we've grown like, you know, to be business partners. Um, my buddy TW Piper Brook, he's one of my best friends that I've, I've met through all this, you know, it was the same thing. I just reached out to him as a fan and he had seen my books on Amazon too. And then we just, you know, started talking that way. So, um, you know, so that, that's kind of, that's kind of my approach. Cause it can get really weird, you know, especially when you're going to someone who's a little bit ahead of you, um, you know, cause, cause a lot of times they might be thinking like, Oh, what's this person want type of thing. And I, I don't think you ever really want anyone thinking that like, does that make sense? Yeah. I'll, I'll add something too. And it ties a little bit into Jeff's second question, I think, which is sometimes you're looking to build something specific like some type of business relationship in which case uh you're you are kind of looking for something from this author so like you know when i was doing the multi-author box sets back in gosh almost 10 years ago now uh you know i was reaching out to authors who were way above me and saying hey i'm putting together this anthology i will do all the work everything like all you got to do is send me a file i'll do everything else uh and I made the ask as easy as possible. And like the way, you know, Zach gave a good example. I'll give the same example. When I approached uh, JD at Thriller Fest in 2019, I, I originally asked him if he wanted to do a, a podcast. And I said, I will do all the work. Uh, I will do all the post-production, the, the, the scheduling, um, everything. All you got to do is just show up and talk. And he said, no, <laughs> but then eventually he said, yes. But like the point was like, if I, if I was really going to ask for something, I wanted to make sure that I, I made the ask as easy as possible on them as opposed to like, and I certainly won't, you know, mention any specific names, but I've gotten emails that say like, 
hey, wouldn't it be cool if you mentored me? And I was like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, putting something else on my plate. Thanks for giving me homework. You know, um, so th- th- these are just examples of approaches we've used. Awesome. That answer your question, Jeff, pretty well? Yeah, that was great. Thanks. Awesome. That was awesome. Cool. Now, Kim, I think you asked a couple questions too. So um, I can either read or if you want to ask a question here. I can ask. Okay. So I was mostly um, like, how do you decide like what, um, I can't even think of the word, like what things you want to take, want to do for like marketing purposes or things like that, like interviews, being in anthologies and, you know, things like that, or being on a podcast, anything like that. I feel like since I'm at the beginning of my publishing career, I'm just kind of like saying yes to everything. But then I kind of got stuck doing something. I'm like, this is taking me so much more time than I had anticipated. And I really would like to be doing. So I don't know if I should just lean into that now while it's early days and then be more discerning later or like, how do you guys decide what to do, what to take on? If it's not a hell yes, it's a no. That's, that's kind of been my mentality. So if I, if I feel, cause I, I, I got in the same boat as you early on where I feel like I had to say yes to everything, even if I didn't feel really good about it, but you, but what ends up happening is you end up being in the spot you're in where you're like dragging and you're not really into what you're doing or, you know, in, in, and I don't think that's a good situation for anybody involved, whether it's an interview you don't really want to do um, like a, a really good example. I'll give you a really good example is uh, early on, I would do like interviews for blogs or whatever. Like if someone sent me stuff and they wanted to like send me a bunch of questions for me to type out, I would just say, yes, I hated doing it. Like I, I, I was like, I, I would rather talk on a podcast than like sit here and type out questions that you ask every other author. Um, so I started my rule of thumb with that now is I say no to every single one of those. Like, it, it, I mean, unless it was like, you know, if a big, big, big publication came to me and did, that would be one thing. But I kind of just have a blanket rule now where I don't do any of that. Like if people want to set up a Zoom call with me and interview me and then transcribe it, that's a different thing. But I'm not going to sit down and do those anymore because I know that I don't enjoy doing it. And um, I know that's kind of going a different direction what you're talking, but I'm just kind of giving you an idea of my mindset um, uh, with things. But for me, I've really adopted like, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no mentality. Like for anthology example, you know, um, if I already had a story sitting around that fit in an anthology, like at my, at this stage right now, um, I would probably, you know, if someone asked me, I might throw something in. Um, but I, I don't know, for me, I haven't really found that something like that really moves the needle a lot as far as getting you a, a bigger audience. I'm not saying it can't, but just in my experience, I don't really feel like, um, you know, it's, it's really going to be worth like putting a whole bunch of time into, uh, I don't know, Jay, do you agree or disagree or have other thoughts or, uh, I see it a little differently. I think it's really, it depends on where you are in your trajectory as an author. I, I, I'm like Zach is now, now I'm, I'm pretty, I say no to a whole lot more than I say yes to, but it, that that's been, you know, it's been 10, over 10 years. And I think when I first started, I, I like you, Kim, I said yes to everything. Um, even stuff I knew was going to be a slog, stuff I knew I wasn't going to like. I was like, 
kind of in the mindset that I'm building a reputation as someone who's dependable. And it's easy to do the fun stuff. <laughs> Anyone can do the fun stuff, but I think you really prove yourself and you really establish a reputation when you, when you lean into things that no one else wants to do. Um, and again, you can't do that for, for a long period of time uh, and you can't do that with a sustained effort. Um, and you, and you'll, it's, uh, th there's no way of knowing when, when you move out of that. But I, I think if you're, if you're towards the beginning and you really care about building a reputation or, or building relationships with other people, if you're the first one to raise your hand and volunteer for stuff, you know, people are going to remember that. Um, it's going to count for something, even though it, it kind of sucks. So I, I don't disagree with Zach, but I think it also, you have to keep in mind where you are with, within the, the ecosystem and where you want to be. Agree. Awesome. Um, Christine, let's go. You're next to my screen. So do you have a question you want to ask us? I do have a question I want to ask you, and this is related to uh, indie publishing. And I know Jay and I have been talking about the upcoming Vela program a lot. And I was just kind of looking at some of the terms and conditions uh, on Amazon about publishing, which basically say that they don't take liability for anything. So my question is, as an indie author looking into protection, what kind of protection do you feel that you need? Uh, like I looked into LLCs, but that doesn't seem to make any sense unless you're making substantially more money, looking at media liability insurance, not going to take this as legal advice, but I just wondered if you had any opinions on what we as indie authors need to do to protect ourselves. Protect ourselves from what? Lawsuits for defamation or, yeah, you know, unintentional mm -hmm. kinds of things like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we are not attorneys. This is not legal advice. <laughs> uh, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. Like I, I think you know, 10 years ago, I might've said, eh, it doesn't really matter. You don't need it, anything. Like you're fine. You're just selling eBooks. Like, you know, what's the risk? I'm not so sure I feel that way anymore. <laughs> Seeing the way the world is and, and the way things are going. Uh, I think I would feel better if I had a bit of protection from an LLC. And again, my, my layman understanding of it. And I, I Zach and I both have LLCs. JD has a billion LLCs. The LLC gives you one level of protection in any type of uh, situation where you're sued for something. And, and th that could be damages. It could be defamation. Um, in any of those cases, if you don't have some type of corporate entity, then they can come after personal assets. So they can come after your house and your car and, and retirement accounts or whatever happens to be. With an LLC or an S-Corp, um, you technically... And again, my understanding is that you you have some level of protection. That they call it, you're not piercing the veil, um, and and so therefore, it's it's probably worth it. Now I know you're in Toronto, which which um, that might complicate matters a bit. But I know in the states, um, you can go you can go onto LegalZoom and you can you can file the LLC paperwork for your state. All you know, do it online. Uh, it's gonna cost. It's gonna cost you. I don't know exactly what it is. It could be anywhere from a couple hundred dollars to a thousand dollars. But it's insurance, like like any other. Is it worth it? It's like I don't. I don't know. Like you know, it it, it really depends on on who you are and how much how risk averse you are. So, you know, some people carry very little insurance and some people carry a lot. Um, so I, I think for me, I feel better having an LLC. 
But the other wrinkle to that is Zach and I do live events where we're with people. And, yeah. and so there, you know, the liability factor is, is a little bit higher for us than it is just selling eBooks. But that, that's, that's my personal opinion. Zach, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. Um, uh, the, when Jay and I were starting our collaboration together, this is something we talked about, whether or not we should form an LC or whatever. And I talked to, um, the president of my old company I work with, who is the smartest business person that I personally know. And now granted, this is, this was in 2016 to 2017. I'm sorry. Um, and like Jay said, maybe the world's changed a little bit. So maybe it is a little bit better for some of the reasons he was talking about, but he told me exactly what Jay said. He's like, if you're only, if you're only just selling eBooks, like there's really nothing that anyone's really going to come after you for, um, more than likely. Uh, so it really, it just, so Jay and I didn't do that at the time. The only time I looked at gain insurance and eventually forming an LLC was as when Jay brought up a minute ago, uh, when we started doing live events, uh, initially I got some insurance, um, and then, um, ended up finally forming LLC last year when, uh, we went through a potential lawsuit situation with the hotels during COVID, because uh, I realized, oh, my name is on these contracts, and and I could get they could go after personal assets. Um, so that's pretty much for me. Like if we weren't doing the live events, I don't know if I would keep my LLC or not. Um, I, I would highly consider just laying it laps or getting rid of it. Um, but but I may keep it. I, I don't know. Like because some of the reasons Jay was saying. So. Um, but, but I would say as a rule of thumb, and again, not being an attorney or whatever, like I wouldn't worry about it too much if you're just like selling books, but that, that's just, that's just my personal opinion. But if it makes you feel better, then I would say do it. So, all right. Uh, let's jump. Sully, you've been, you've been waiting and waiting there. What's up, man? Um, I'm is. just happy to listen to y'all because... I don't have anything to say. Sorry. Okay. Well, hello then. <laughs> That's totally cool. That's the easiest question we're going to get all day. That was easy. Yeah. He likes listening to us. Cool. So <laughs> awesome. What about you, Rebecca? You have a question? I don't. I'm just here to hang out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you, I'll jump to, uh, I'll jump to one that's on our list and then uh, maybe I'll do one or two of these. Uh, and, and I know Kim, you had another one that you, you submitted and so did Jeff. So let me, let me get, let me do a couple of these and then I'll come back to, to you guys. And if you, and if Sully or Rebecca, you think of any questions, then just raise your hand. Um, we got to get Chris Wills in, you, you know, we do. So, um, he says, uh, can you take us through the, pr your process of choosing a title for your books and or series? If you had to start, if you had the opportunity to start your writing career again, maybe go back in time, what would you do differently? Um, oh, he, oh, this is like several different questions. Oh, he submitted so me, like 10. <laughs> yeah. I forget that that's what he does. He just like <laughs> spills his brain onto the, on the sheet. Um, so titles, I know Jay, you're going to want me to answer that question. Um, I, for me, I look at titles strictly from a, uh, a marketing standpoint. Like I try to pick out words that are, um, very strong in the genre. I write, um, it's very intentional. I don't get super creative or artistic with it generally. Um, and because, you know, if, if I was, so if I was writing literary fiction and my book was on the front shelf at Barnes and Noble, that would be one thing. But, um, 
you know, Amazon's a search engine, like, and, and the way people shop for books on there is different than the way they shop for books in a bookstore. Um, so for instance, the series I'm writing now is called dead South. It's a zombie series. So like the word dead is, is very prominent. Um, uh, the word uh, South, obviously, that's my that has multiple meanings. It takes place in the southern U.S., which is a very popular setting for zombie stories. Um, ironically, especially in the United Kingdom, like people in the United Kingdom love zombie stories that take place in the southern U.S. Like it's it's crazy, but I have the data that it says it's true. So um, it's also like I said, my character's last name. So. Um, and, uh, and so like, that's very intentional, uh, Jay and I have talked about with like our vampire post-apoc series, uh, final awakening. The books are called dawn, dusk, and night. Like the, it, it, you kind of just see the title, you see the cover, you know exactly what you're getting. Um, so for me, it's just, it's very, very intentional in that way. And it's not, it's more of a marketing decision than it is a creative decision most of the time. Uh, Jay, do you have anything else to add to that? No, I, I'll just basically say that I don't. Uh, I have absolutely no emotional connection to titles. I, yeah, I, don't I really either. don't care. Like, um, you know, if I were if I were working with an agent and he he or she said oh, we got to change this title because it's going to be more attractive to, you know, Penguin Random House, I'd be like, all right. You know, I don't know. I'm di I think I'm different that way. I know some authors get really, you know, the title is really important to them. I, I really don't care. Um, let's do another one of his really quick. Um, Cause I think this is a good question that we get a lot, but we'll, we'll answer it. Uh, and I'll just ask you, Jay, if you had the opportunity to start your writing career again, maybe go back in time, what would you do differently? Nothing. Nice. Fair. <laughs> hey, okay, cool. Uh, no. no, I mean, it, I, this is, this is one of those questions. This is a great question, by the way. I'm not, I'm not knocking the question, but I, I'm, I'm just a firm believer in like everything that I've gone through has made me what I am. Yeah. Uh, so like, that's why I'm just like, well, it just, that's what was supposed to be. So. Yeah, I would have, <clears throat> um, I would have written, I would have stayed and written my empty body series straight through without trying to be a horror writer in between each one of those books. I, I had so much momentum on that first book. I should have went right to the second, but it was early. Um, I, I feel like I left some money on the table and I also think I would have quit my job sooner. Um, I would have quit my full-time job sooner than I did. I, I stuck around much too long. So um, I, I'll, I'll take that back. One thing I would have done is I would have written a prequel to Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, JD is going to love that. JD probably won't even listen to this. <laughs> I so. had to take at least one shot at him for not being here. Uh, well, here, here, let me, let's ask a question that you might actually want to answer and then we'll go back and uh, see if anyone else, or we can hit Jeff and Kim's questions. And then we get one from, from Stephanie too. I think. Yeah. That's what I was going to. Yeah. Um, you, you're just pointing that out cause it's for you. So, all right. From Stephanie bond. I know Jay is writing short stories. But what other projects are each of you working on at the moment that you're willing to share? Oh, she said each of you. So maybe you should start. Is this when you're going to tell them about all the erotica you're writing? No, I don't tell them that. It's a different that? pen name. Oh, my bad. Well, you're still writing it. Dinosaur erotica. So what, what, do you, what, what are you working on, Jay, that you want to share? Well, I'm, uh, I've got Darwin's challenge in JD's hands. So that's the trad pub manuscript that, uh, been working on for over a year. And Jeff, Jeff was incredibly helpful with that, uh, with me as the dialogue doctor and 
helping me get that dialogue really nice. So, um, so that's, that's one big thing. Uh, I've got two Kindle Vela projects in the works. Um, that's, uh, so, the, and what's nice is it's sort of this multi-purpose, you know, uh, repurposing content idea. So I, you know, I sold a short story subscription to my list. Um, I'm also using those short stories for Vela. And then when Vela's over, I'm probably going to publish those into a book. So that same piece of writing is going to be, you know, repurposed uh, multiple times. Uh, but, but those are, those are sort of the, the fiction projects I'm working on. And then I have some things for the author community that are still kind of under wraps for now, but, uh, later this year, I'll be uh, talking more about those. I'll, I'll just give you a hint. It has something to do with three story method. And, uh, and six podcasts, six <laughs> new podcasts coming up. Uh, you know, podcasts are going to be in the mix when it comes to three story method. So, yeah. and I'm just noticing, uh, Rebecca, uh, in the chat here, a follow-up on the Vela question. Uh, I, I'm completely an outlier with serialized fiction. I, I thought Radish was a, was a vegetable, so I didn't even know it was a platform where they sold short serialized fiction. Um, but I'm planning on writing 10 episode seasons. I'm going to commit to a, a one season to launch in Vela and then see how things go and decide if I want to write more than one season. I am going to plan for a total of nine seasons for each. So I will know the full arc of the complete story when I start, but I might not necessarily write it. Interesting. Well, <clears throat> um, I guess I sh projects for me, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really focused mostly right now on my Dead South series. I'm writing book four of what is probably going to be nine books. Um, I'm working on that. Um, I guess I've already talked about publicly that I'm working on a three-story method book um, that is uh, for, it's going to be three-story method for series planning um, and uh, no timetable on that. That's just something I'm kind of working on between and my, my daughter's home now for the summer. So we're going to see how that works out. Um, and uh, I'm, I've, I'm planning my next fiction series, which I'm definitely not ready to talk about yet, but I'm planning a, uh, a pretty, uh, a different type of post-apocalyptic thing. And that I'm hoping to be about six books, but I'm uh, in the, in the planning stage of that. And that's is it, a lot of is it erotic post-apoc? It's not erotic post-apoc. It's not, but it does mix post-apoc with another genre. So it, it, but so it should be, it should, it's a little risky, it's risque? Not, risque, not risque, but risky. So, um, I, I, she's got another good one here that I want to ask you. Stephanie does. Cause I think this is a really good question for you. Um, what kind of class would you pay for at this point in your career? None. Is that really your answer? <laughs> no, I, I'll tell you why it is. I always, I love what we should have Jeff on every time just because his facial expressions, him and Rebecca, their faces, you can just read them like, like, like sitting around a poker table. No, in all seriousness, um, I, I'm right now and I, I'm walking this walk and talking the talk. Uh, communities are so important to me right now. And I, and I think the benefit of being in a community and, and being around like-minded people I mean, just the number of ideas that have come up in my author community and, and the synergy that's taken place and the energy that's there. I, I just feel like uh, learning so much more from being in some type of writer family as opposed to taking sort of some standalone video course without any engagement. So I, I'm, a being, I'm being a little facetious. I mean, of course, there's still value in, in video courses and stuff, but uh, like I've, I've burned through all of Masterclass. Um, I, I love Masterclass. 
but like it it's it's more infotainment i think edutainment maybe uh, you know like it, it's it's fun but like you're still kind of on your own. So I don't know. I, I think I'm in a place now where, uh, I mean, I'm running a community and I'm also part, I'm a member in three others and I'm not taking any online courses. So I'm just, I mean, if that answers your question, Stephanie, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. Well, what, okay. So take the online aspect out of it. What about like workshops and stuff like that? Cause I, I mean, are you still, I know you like those. Are you still a fan of that? Too? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. I, I'm not a fan of the completely, you know, asynchronous. Here's a video course. Good luck. See, yeah, I'm not a see, fan of those either. Like, I, I, yeah. I don't, I, I, yeah, I'm not a, like, but I think that continue like doing workshops and stuff like that is is a different type of thing. Yes, and and that's a, it's a it's also its own type of community. When you when you do a small it, event, exactly like, right, like we've built communities out of our weekend events, uh, and you know, and multiple people on this call have been part of those weekend events. Like, you, that's a community in itself. So yeah, I would totally agree with you on that. Okay, you want to try to get one or two more in here? Yeah, let's let's do let's do one more and then we can we can save the rest for next month. Okay. Do we have any any other live questions that we want to get in for a last one, or do you want to go? Yeah, to that's what we sh yeah, and, and I know if yeah, Jeff and Kim also had questions on here. So, okay. but if anyone yeah, anyone have a question they want to ask, or we can go to one of those. All right, we'll pick one more from the list and we'll wrap it up. We'll do. Let's do. Let's do Jeff and because Kim's will be. Let's do Kim's, then we'll do Jeff's last one. They'll be quick. Um, Kim just kind of wants an update on how your short story project's going. Uh, great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm still producing one a week. Uh, Kindle Vela kind of changed it in a good way. It, 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 it gave me a, a different trajectory. I, I was writing completely standalone short stories and now I'm writing short episodes that are, that are serialized. Uh, so I, I like that. Um, I, I like the routine of it. Um, it's been a challenging sometimes, but, um, yeah, it's going well so far. Okay, so let's hit Jeff's really quick here. So Jeff, it's got a two-pronged question here. Um, what qualities are you looking for in collaborators? So like writing partners, editors, cover designers, et cetera. And one specifically, I think for you, what qualities are you looking for in clients? You want to answer that one first? The client one? Yeah. Is uh, there a certain quality you look for in clients? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling to articulate what it is because I can, I can feel it, but I don't know if I can describe it. Um, uh, hungry, maybe hungry is the best word. I want hungry clients. I want, I want people who are, who are badgering me to work with them, uh, <laughs> politely, respectfully, but like, I, I want people that are like, no, you're the guy for me. Like, I know you can really help me with this. Um, what do I do next? I'll do whatever you tell me. I'll stand on one foot. I'll, you know, wear my pajamas inside out, whatever, whatever it happens to be. Um, but that's what I want. I, I want hu hungry people because those are the people who are really craving. They want to improve. They're not just looking for validation or a pat on the back. Like th that's the type of client I don't necessarily want, which is, no, this is really good. Won't you just tell me it's really good? <laughs> because most often, you know, that's, that's not how it works out. So um, that's how I would describe my clients. And as far as collaborators, I mean, I can kind of answer that one. And then Jay, if you want to add to it, you can, and we can, we can wrap up. But, uh, you know, as far as, you know, editors, I've, I've been using basically the same editor since I started. Um, I've used, I've used a different editor with Jay. Um, and, and I think I've spoken before, but I'm, I'm, I'm almost to the, I'm getting to the point, like I have a really good relationship with my editor and I love her. Um, 
but I almost feel like it's time for me to switch. And I think I said this like a year ago, even or something on a podcast, but uh, Jay's laughing. Cause he knows I did, but yeah. I, I feel like I need, it might be time for me to branch out a little bit and just to learn. Cause I want to learn, like learn from somebody else, you know, who, um, you know, my editor might be so used to seeing all the same stuff that I do. Like maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I just need a different perspective at this point. Um, as far as cover designers, um, you know, I, I have a couple of different cover designers I work with. Um, and kind of what I just looked for was, you know, a, a knowledge of the genre is more important to me than anything. Um, and, uh, and, you know, obviously also you want someone who's like professional and easy to work with and will get stuff done in a timely matter. Um, you know, one of the cover artists I use is not so great at that the other one is always like just super timely and stuff. Like she, she does an amazing job. Um, and her covers, I believe, have made me a good chunk of money. So, um, or Jay is, you know, us. Um, but, and for writing partners, you know, like, uh, I, you know, when I am looking for collaborators, uh, you know, I, I want to find, I've, I've talked about before, you know, um, that uh, someone who likes doing parts of the process that I don't. So it's it, like, it's, you know, Jay and I work because Jay loves editing and I really like first drafting. Um, so that kind of works out, but also as Jay and I've talked about in the past, um, I think someone who's kind of in a similar life situation as you, and I, I don't know if you still feel that way, Jay, in the same way. Cause I know a lot, but, uh, you know, I, I think I still do cause, um, you know, it'll, you want someone who's just as hungry as you are and, and, uh, yeah. Does that, uh, oh, Jay, you want to add to that at all? Or Yeah. I, I'm going to give a very blanket response, but I, but I think it works. Uh, across the board in all of my business dealings, your communication style is everything to me. Yeah. Everything. And uh, some people will consider this unreasonable and that's totally fine. And we just won't be business partners and we won't have professional relationships. But like if, if we're having an email exchange and like three or four days go by, or you don't respond to something in, in what I consider to be a reasonable amount of time, like that is such a red flag. So whether it's cover designers, editors, collaborators, I want people who communicate respectfully and timely. And like and, and people who say like, oh, I'm declaring inbox bankruptcy or I just don't respond until I get the fourth message. I have no time for those people. <laughs> like that that I think I think that's just so disrespectful to be like no, I'm going to wait for you to send me the fourth email before I respond. Like, that's just, um, that's just not the kind of person I want to work with. So for me, uh, again, what's reasonable, I don't expect people to, you know, email me back in 10 minutes, but like, I know what I feel is reasonable. And if someone is not a reasonable communicator, then we're probably not going to work together. All right. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap up if you want to take us out, Jay. Yeah. Uh, so next week we have Catherine Hudson is coming on. She's an international bestselling author of dark fantasy, sci-fi, and LGBTQ speculative fiction. So I don't think we've had an author on yet with that sort of palette of uh, genre. So, so that's going to be fun uh, to have Catherine on. Uh, to our listeners, make sure you go to writersincpodcast.com and grab the free revision masterclass where you can see the storytelling process from beginning to end. We'll see you next episode and have a great week of writing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Writers Inc. Access the show notes and leave a comment at writersincpodcast.com.